0: So welcome to our Early Years Mental Health Conversation podcast with myself, Kate Moxley and Kerry Payne, EYFS for me. Today I'm delighted to be joined by Vanessa Bellew who is going to tell us all about her wonderful company High 15 Hi Vanessa, thanks for joining us. Hello, no problem, thank you for having me. So tell us all about High 15 then and the work that you do. Okay, so I've started High 15
1: over a year ago now. And uh, so I'm a, it's a solo business for now. I'm a business strategist, an executive coach, and a diversity and inclusion consultant. So I, I'm, you know, I, I always say that I wear different hats, but I believe that everything kind of, you know, mixed together and complements one another. So that's basically what I do.
0: Fab, so um, for people listening, I met Vanessa when we did some work together last year and um, I follow Vanessa um, on Instagram and um, obviously you can hear Vanessa's wonderful um, voice and her energy and it, kind of in real life, she's so, so dynamic and if you haven't already discovered her on Instagram, you should just go and check out her post because um, you know, like such a breath of fresh air and it's just so exciting, I think, to kind of be chatting with you today. I'm really excited for you to talk with us. Um I suppose sad that it's under the circumstances of the topic that we're going to talk about. Um So um we always start our podcasts with asking, you know, how are you feeling? Because in everyday life, no one in the busy world that we live, no one usually answers that question with honesty because we're all so busy we just brush it off and say we're fine but you know this podcast started from really um you know encouraging people to think about and talk about um things that they wouldn't ordinarily you know feel comfortable talking about and I think the biggest one of that sometimes is is actually our feelings and understanding and so you know we're really grateful that you have given your time to talk to us at this you know at this very difficult time um, and you know that first question is then how are you feeling i'm good you know <laughs> so for me i'm excited i'm very very good so
1: it's yeah it's it's, it's a difficult time i would say for everybody but me because <laughs> i've been waiting i've mm-hmm. been here i've been waiting for that moment to arrive so i'm I'm living, if anything, I'm just like, I'm living my best life right now, to be honest. I'm, you know, of course it's a podcast so people can see, but yeah, vis- you know, visit my page It's very vibrant, as you said, uh, Katie uh, on high 15 underscore, um, and it's uh, on Instagram. And uh, I'm a black woman. Actually I'm 80% African, 20% Caucasian. So I was born in Paris, but my parents are from the Caribbean. So of course, you know, uh, I think fruits of this, of slavery. And so uh, I did my DNA uh, mix uh, recently and that's who I am. So 80% African from different pe- places uh, mostly Nigeria and then Kenya, et cetera, And then 20% Caucasian from Europe. So this has been quite interesting. I think in terms of identity. And especially now when, you know, we're talking about race, like it's nothing. I mean, not, not that like, it's nothing actually, like it's um, it's a conversation to be had, but, all the words that come out is just a whoa, you know. In my 37 years of living, we've never been in this situation. So I'm I'm very very well. I'm on the nine out of ten.
0: That is amazing. Well, I I suppose I followed your Instagram over the course of the week, and I, and and you know I messaged you early last last week um, in, in response to one of your posts, and I think I talked about I think at that point. Um, I hadn't really looked within myself even when I'd messaged you um, and I, I talked about um, ignorance and actually I hadn't included myself as part of that ignorance and I feel like gosh a lot has changed um, since I had that initial conversation with you um, mm-hmm. and you know I, I did um, a, a chat with another group of people recently we do like a well-being weekly chat and there's a lady in there who is, is going through this process at the moment. She, she's never known who her father is, but she knows that she um, is mixed race, but she's got no idea about her heritage or anything at all. And so everyone was talking, like you've just said, about you know, your family and all of this around your culture. And then they came to me, and in my Bremie accent, I was like, I don't know, I'm just, I'm from Birmingham. <laughs> like, I don't know anything about myself. And I think that's really telling. Like, you know, I think that says a lot in itself.
1: A hundred percent, I think, and for me i 've always found that very interesting because when we you know when you 're a, a person of minority, like a people of color um, you you're very you 're not obsessed, but you, are, you have to cater for the majority, and that 's the bottom line and me for me as a like, but my culture is so um you know i 'm Caribbean I'm, you know of course you know so through food, through music, through the language. It's so colorful. So this is why also it's so happy, you know? And then you speak to, um, you know, Caucasian individuals and they tell you, well, I'm just from that. So, so for example, you know, like I came to London. So I'm from Paris originally, came to London 15 years ago. And then people here, you get so excited about a Sunday rose dinner. And I was like, <laughs> what? You know, like, it's just like some of the things from a gastronomy perspective, you know, France, the French gastronomy is so elaborate anyway. But then you add the Caribbean, uh, you know, the spices. And because we have a history where it's mixed, you know, from India and you have, you have we have from Africa, we've got many, many uh, influences in our culture. And then you come here and, you know, sometimes you eat some food and you're like, oh my God, this is so bland. This is so white. The white meaning, you know, so... There's no nuance to it. So of course, when then you say, okay, where are you from? But we're all from somewhere, you know, like you may have, if you do your DNA, you will have influences from, you know, maybe Spain, Italy, Sweden, I don't know. And that adds color, you know, even though for me, white is a color, you know? So when yep. we say people of color, I count white people in it. Cause I'm like in 2050, you know, through my work in business strategy. So I look at a lot of what's happening in the future. In 2050, the you know the U.S. If we look at just this nation, will be minority white. You know currently the you know um, American white represents 67% of the population, and in 2050 it will be 47%. So we know that we are you know really in a world and stepping into a, a bigger world where we'll have a lot of mixity. You know I'm mixed myself. My boyfriend is mixed himself. He's half English white, half Sri Lankan. So I know that if, you know, if we were to have children, my children will be mixed. And, but he has no idea about his, he knows his culture through food, but he's never been to Sri Lanka and things like this, which is okay because, you know, it's a circumstance. But I do think that we have to be more aware of the fact that we are all citizens of this world and we are all mixed. It's not because people show up as white that they are transparent, (laughs) you know? So yeah, interesting, isn't it?
2: It's really. Oh, sorry, Kate. Go on. Oh yeah. No, I was just going to say where you were talking there about culture and about you know having a roast dinner and, and identifying that as bland and and just from what you're saying about somebody asking about your identity, Kate, it's almost our own bland view of our own culture, almost limits us by opening up to other cultures and that's why we become tokenistic because we have we ever fully immersed ourselves in culture at all. Is it, are we bland in our approach to that? I wonder, because I'm the same as you. Somebody asked about my culture. I would be negative about where I'm from. Um, and I would be bland. I wouldn't I wouldn't immerse myself in it and be like, this is where I am from, this is my experience.
1: And I think this is where, because maybe from, um, also when you're part of the majority, you know, you don't have to be, I guess not necessarily proud but you don't have to stand that you don't feel that you need to find something in yourself dig very really deep to actually be like yes this is how i show up in the world i'm not Um, my image is not what's accepted or it's not what's popular but I'm digging very very deep and I think from a mental health perspective it's uh, it's very interesting the journey that you take um, as a a person of color because actually mental health is not something that we talk about in our culture you Mm -hmm. know so that's another thing you know so but I talk a lot about it because I'm a coach but also because I've always been very uh, aware that I didn't want to be limited by my complexion, by my, you know, me showing up as a woman, me showing up as a black woman, me showing up as I wanted to be seen as I'm a joyful, um, you know, with a lot of energy person. Do you know what I mean? And I'm very damn well good at what I do. And I think that this is the thing independent of my complexion, you know? Um, but yeah, mental health, I think it's very interesting in that in the digging deep kind of situation because Sometimes people feel that maybe they don't have to also, you know, when you're part of the majority, you, you're you like, well, we, you know, it's, and this is why diversity and inclusion is, you know, diversity is like, they are, they're here. We see them, you know, we see black people, you know, they, or we see people of color, we see them or, but then inclusion is, so they are the part at the table. Inclusion is, um, but we are asking them to speak, you know, we want to hear your voice, right? And then uh, belonging is, you know, your voice will be heard and action upon. And that's the difference. Or oh, it's the other thing of diversity is you get invited to the party. So then you represent. Inclusion mm-hmm. is um, you uh, get invited to dance. So that means that people see you, right? And they're like, okay, I noticed that you are here. You feel acknowledged. But now we are, the conversation that we're all having is not a conversation of diversity and inclusion. I think it's a conversation of belonging. Mm -hmm. And I think that now people say, gosh, I've seen you. I always notice people, you know, I've been speaking to so many white people over the past uh, week that people tell me, I see you, but I've never realized and acknowledged your journey and that you were indeed different. And now I want to know about that difference deeply, you know? So that means that they want to hear the voices and I, and that's belonging
0: what you've just said just kind of sums up how how i i suppose what i have experienced and understood over the last week so you know people have said to me when I've, cause i because i've written a blog about and you know i thought being racist which sounds ridiculous when I say it, I thought because I knew I wasn't racist, because I've always taken care of and worked with people from all sorts of different cultures and backgrounds, I thought that that was enough. And having that wake-up call, actually, really, that wasn't. And what you've just kind of said is people, have, people in response to me have said, but of course you see people of colour. Of course, yeah, I've seen them. That is, as you just explain that diversity and inclusion, yeah, it's of course I see them, but I haven't understood that things are, are, are very different because of uh, systems because of um you know social constructs because of all sorts of different things and yep. how you just described that like being seen and now belonging you know we talk a lot about been talking a lot about belonging and I think that's so true in terms of the majority and the minority as what you were saying we're, youth, we're just always so used to being the the, the majority and so going back to that culture thing like you know have I ever bothered knowing about me because I can see people all around me that look the same as me so I fit in and I belong I feel like I do um I can remember going to Italy um to there's a famous approach called Reggio Emilia it's a little town in northern Italy where um it's renowned for its early years philosophy on on early years education and I remember going there and coming away with a real sense of, I don't know what our culture and our identity is there. Everything was based on the, the culture of the family, their beliefs, what you just spoke about in terms of like food and, and um, connection and family and knowing all of this stuff about your heritage. Whereas here, it was like, yeah, we like a Sunday lunch like that's about what else what are our values what are our beliefs what are we built upon and it just when you start it's so deep it is a
1: deep journey it's very very deep and I think and this is why for me I appreciate the fact that it's deep you know I, I think that currently I mean especially when everything I think for me the you know, I, 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 study people, you know, that's my, that's my jam, right? So from a coaching perspective, from a diversity and inclusion perspective, from a business strategist perspective, everything is built on people. So for me, I study people and I'm fascinated. And I think that something changed, you know, I, I got really aware that on Saturday, hmm, I was like, Ooh, la, la, this feels different. You know, I was like, okay, gosh, the day is here. You know, and I felt, I don't know, I felt very excited then. I was just like, now this is the time we can really have this conversation. Because before you would have some conversation, but it would be like politically, politically correct BS, you know. And now you're just like, no, now we're going to go deep and I'm ready, you know. I'm Ooh! And I was like, this is almost as though my career has led to that day. So I, I, I'll talk a little bit about what kind of, because also, I don't know, I think, for me, one of the key values or things that we need to really think about when we approach this, this conversation as it goes, continues is courage. And I think that for me, there's a lot of things there where, we you know, I've seen a lot of people not being courageous at the beginning, and being quite silent right so on a saturday evening i was during that day i was noticing things patterns and i was like, oh okay there is this group of people who are very vocal about it and then there is a group of people who are new or sometimes who i didn't know but that's like they're supposed to be influential they're supposed to care for just uh, justice where are they so on the sunday morning i woke up my boyfriend was sleeping and then i decided to um, I just decided to craft a, a text, a message that I sent to many women, white women on Instagram that I follow on my business account, which I only created, you know, like maybe six weeks back. And I was, you know, because again, I was for four weeks prior to that, which I think this is why I think that everything was kind of amounting to that moment. Four weeks prior to that, I realized being a black woman owning their own business, being on Instagram, playing the numbers game is tough. And as I I am so invisible, and then it reconnected me with this, uh, with so many experiences that I've had in my life where I felt invisible, and sometimes you put yourself in that invisibility because you don't want to stand out, you don't want people to bother you, etc. And I do think that for me, I always love comparison. I think the conversation when it comes to race, and especially as you you are mental health professionals, it's like... The stigma of having an invisible, well an invisible and a visible disability uh you know at the same time or you know if you having you know i don't know skinno skinno skin, how do you say skin of, oh, uh, skin of friend in french i forgot the word in english oh, oh i can't think skin oh and if you it's like you are bipolar or whatever it's something that Oh, you know, you're saying you're, schizophrenia? Yes, schizophrenia, sorry, sorry. Sometimes there's some English words that are very difficult <laughs> to pronounce. But uh, so, you know, it's something, so that's a, almost invisible in a way, but then you also have then a visible, um, uh, you know, disability. And I think or, uh, visible, you know, and I think that this is the thing, like you're very visibly different, but you're, the way that you deal with it is very invisible. Mm-hmm. And I think that, so that's why, you know, when people before, nowadays, a lot of people are checking themselves, are checking their language. But when people before would be like, oh, you know, black people, they're very angry. And you and and I'll be like, when you've been oppressed for 400 years, we're not talking about two years, we're not talking about two months. You know, you know that, like, I've been very aware, and like any black people, of our history. This is the number one thing. You know, when you understand that, Especially when you're Caribbean, you understand that the, you are here as an outcome of slavery. So you know that your people, your ancestors, were considered as not human. They were considered as animals. They were, you know, like it's quite difficult still to then be able to actually stand up and be you, knowing that. And, you know, and collaborate, you know, with white people because you do, sometimes this is why you say, you, we see that people are angry, black people are angry or silent because you, you think that, okay, in order for me not to stand out and do my life and live my life peacefully, let me just be silent and take, it, take the microaggressions and, oh, it's okay, you know, like this, like, oh, you become this person where you're just like, like, you, be, you behave a little bit like an animal because you're so angry and you don't understand that, the, the injustice of the whole system, you know, so from, from back then, but also today, when it comes to police brutality, but many things, recruitment, you know, there's a lot of things that we've not covered yet because people are not ready, but we're getting there, you know, soon I can see that people are going to start thinking about, you know, okay, yes, okay, what, how, what does this mean? Do I have a, again, if diversity is having people of color on the table, around the table in the room, um, you know, it's collaborating with people of color. It's not because we're black that we're stupid. It's not because we are people of color that, you stu- that we're stupid. You know, Kate, you met me. I was the leader of that day, right? We were, you know, and my color then didn't really matter because you just actually, I remember we connected and this is the thing. We have a, a, a radar, you know, as a black person, I've got a racist radar. So I knew straight to when I met you, I was like, this, this woman is fine. Do you know what I mean? I knew that, As I know you're a white woman, but I was like, she's not racist, you know. We connected on the slides, you know. I remember we were just chatting, and then after that we just bounced off of. As oh my god, this is really good what you did. You you know you delivered it. Da da da. Then you were just complimenting me on my work, and that was an even relationship. But realize that not everybody is like that, right? And I think that we are very aware of that as being a black person, and depending on your experiences, we are very aware of the fact that we may not be treated the same everywhere and that is the sad thing and i think that this is why now people are actually realizing everybody's realizing oh my god i may not have treated a black person or a people of color the same because and not because uh, i meant to which is even worse but you know just because this was the system but then at the same time i'm very concerned at the moment to be honest with you uh, about the mental health of black people that's a big, big thing at the moment where I'm really, you know, I'm reaching out to my people, to my black friends, because a lot of them are silent right now, still, because they can't believe it. We didn't ask for this reconnection now. Nothing, you know, I, I, this morning I was talking to a friend, actually, a black friend, and I was, she was like, Vanessa, I feel I'm tired and I'm very also angry. Now I do not want to, when people tell me I didn't see color, I'm like, no, you saw. so Uh, you know like come on now let's not you know as you said katie you know like you realize i think the penny dropped but i think the penny is also dropping for i think people of color because they realize that maybe they had to silence their own self to be part of the majority you realize that um i don't know i think that there is this idea that they they just can't believe that this is happening right now because we're not ready a lot of us I'm ready, as I said, for me, I'm I'm rejoicing, if anything, I'm singing, but a lot of people were not ready because, you know, after all these years of oppressions, they were thinking that maybe this would continue, you know, they would never see that day where actually some white people would come and say, I'm so sorry. Can can you explain to me what it is to be walking and living like a black person? When ne- my parents never trained me to, to have that conversation, your friends never we never spoke about the day because we thought we'll die that day will happen. And then it's here. And that is quite a shock. You know, I think it's a lot of people are, are dealing with shock right now, you know, from both sides, huh? both sides.
0: I was listening to um, a video on Facebook from Leona Lewis. Do you know Le- Leona yeah. Lewis from The X Factor? She put a video out um, of an experience. Um, she She's mixed race. She tells us her mom is white, her dad is black, and she shares a really uncomfortable and emotive experience about being in a shop and being told to put stuff down and not touch stuff. And she talked about what you talked a little bit in terms of her dad became smaller, He whereas she was Angry, but she could then say that this woman then was like oh i 'm going to phone the police on you, and her dad was then trying to fit in and be quiet because he 's experienced these things all of his life and and then you know, long story short, you know afterwards, when the woman realizes who she was, apologizes oh i didn 't realize who you were and it was, how damaging actually the whole scenario on so many different levels, but just that not speaking out, not trying to fit in. Um, and also th- in terms of what you were just saying, not everyone's ready to talk about it. Not everyone wants to, um, from from my, from my perspective, I don't know what you feel like Kerry, but I've started to think like w- from friends or people around me, oh, you haven't spoken out. Why haven't you said something about this? And I'm wondering why they haven't. And then you start questioning all sorts of things.
2: Mm. Yeah, that's, I think, one of the things that I've been reflecting on over the last week is there's a lot of discussion around microaggressions and micro discriminations. And I think some of my reflection is, has been how do we take ownership of the times that we have done that and we have engaged in, in behaviors that whether it's unconscious or conscious, how do we take ownership from that and, and how do we grow from it? And something that I was going to mention in the, in the last podcast is that there has been times on social media where I've seen black people call out, um, conferences that don't represent a diverse workforce or you know question why there isn't that that level of diversity and inclusion and i know my own mind i've always thought why are you calling it out because they're then going to do it in a tokenistic way which is not meaningful and what i've failed to recognize is that one small action is connected to that deepness of, of hundreds of years of oppression they're not just calling out one conference they're calling out a much broader issue and it's it's almost that um willful ignorance where you go wow I failed to recognize that in another person and that is a an uncomfortable and a horrible feeling to have and then in addition not channeling my own empathy of experiences that are in no way the same but could give me an insight so a lot of the things that me and, and Kate have spoken about recently is male privilege um, and how weird that I can get dead angry about male privilege but not acknowledge race and it's that it's that horrible disconnect which is being really, really uncomfortable um, and hopefully enlightening in a positive way. I hope that makes sense. It's no, it does. It makes me, sorry. It makes me quite emotional actually because... All we want
1: is to be seen. You know, which is, we don't need charity. We don't need, we need to be seen. We are like everybody else. We have a craft, we we work hard. Because again, when you're part of the minority, what do you do? Your parents tell you, you have to Work hard because, you know, you have two paths almost. They tell you it's either you work really, really hard and you actually get, you know, to the top. So then people will respect you because of your craft, because they don't respect you necessarily because of your complexion. Or you choose to be a marginal and to be a, you know, like somebody who who just gets... I don't need trouble, you know? And that's why you've got almost the disparity, like it's the polarization, to be honest. You can easily put, you know, some people of color into either people who are like A-star, like really working hard, or the people who just give up, you know, and just, and become angry, you know? And, um, and I think this is the thing that for me, it's quite, um, because you know, like not representing, not having representation, and actually we would rather have a token, we would have that because the person will come 100. Do you see what I mean? The person will come and call it out themselves, but at least they'll be there to call it out to mm-hmm. say, "I'm the only one." As though you know, this is the the life. This is not the life that we live in in London, for example. In other places, that's different. Birmingham, that's not the life that you live. Do you see what I mean? You do have representation there, so I think that it's different. I think it's we just need to be seen and heard, and I think that what's tokenistic for me is the fact that you know blackout tuesday you know that's a bit tokenistic for me because i'm like oh, on one day only one day you know but okay fine we need to start somewhere i guess um i think the the some people may thought may, may thought in 2013 when the black lives matter movement came out that's seven years ago so imagine that you know I, so the cycle of change it, I, from that black lives matter july i think it was 13th of july 2013 or something like this to now it's taken time for people i've spoken to um, a woman who i when i did basically my thing where i was calling out people so white women only i was calling them out for one thing of the one who were not talking about it i said i need you to put it on your feed i just need to because you are um you know, this is a business and you need to raise awareness. You've got an audience. This is not a black people issue. This is not a personal issue. It's a society issue. Mm-hmm. You're going to fish for clients who are people of color. So talk to us as well. And then the other side was people who actually did post around. I was looking at their stories. I was looking at the grid. And I was complimenting them. And I had a live. I did a live with a woman who um she was really saying, I reached out to her because I said, thank you very much for acknowledging that all lives matter. You know, we know that. We're not saying that, you know, if anything, we knew it all along. You didn't know that we was part of the all because you just see us as part of the all. But we're not... If we are part of the all life matter, then treat us the same. But you don't. You know, not everybody does. And actually, the people who do it's a minority. Because... And that is also... um, it's down to unconscious bias. That's the bottom line. So this is why I'm not mad at people personally. I'm not angry at people. I'm just, sometimes when I hear stories, and again, you know, I've spoken to over 50 white women last week and at the weekend, I think it's been very emotional sometimes to listen to the lack of understanding and especially for me when i hear that people are you know exactly they are the ones who are really fighting for equality and i'm just like well then make your the equality intersectional you know because mm-hmm. otherwise if you win but i don't win then we lose because i'm still a woman forget the, my color i'm a woman and I think and you know in some I work with businesses also and I think in that case you can see that they're really fighting the woman's story the woman life but then again diversity is zero to none there you know so I'm glad that finally then it's then there is at
0: least we we can have a conversation you know Mm, yeah one of the things Kerry and I've really been talking about is how can we keep this going now this conversation like you said like the you can sense that we've we've kind of said like it feels like there's an an awakening people are really um questioning and and definitely you can feel the shift but it's like okay we want this to be more than a social media post more than a blog more than a podcast we want steps that lead to actions for change and we're conscious as white women you know we I think you know we can be a catalyst for this conversation but we want to hear from women and men of color within our workforce to hear and listen to their experiences and just like you know just from initial conversations this week i was hearing from a woman who's worked in early years for all of her life and she was saying you know experts usually delivering training around diverse diversity and inclusion being white women or men who are deemed experts and they're not interested to hear as a woman of color her true experience of what it's like to be in the sector so her views are then marginalized and so just to hear just like through a tweet or other examples you know it's like okay how can we how can we challenge our unconscious bias how can we really you know allow people to who aren't ready to feel uncomfortable but to learn that white privilege is something we all must understand to understand how this has impacted all of our lives and so what can we do to 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 keep going
1: with this There's different things I think you can do. So number one is you have to decide. And I think this is, I've got a framework what I talk about, which is, um, um, you have to start really with the self-reflection. And I think that when I say start really with self-reflection, it's not a weak thing. You know, you have to really take the time to actually say, okay, check with yourself, you know, and, and read some books or some articles you don't or engage with some people and ask the uncomfortable question so first of all actually to enable really the real self reflection it's about understanding that you're going to be uncomfortable and accepting that so it's taking the courage to be uncomfortable number one number two it's basically then started properly so yes there's been a movement it's on social media etc but the self reflection really happened behind closed doors and and it happens by yourself or with trusted people that you have around you and within that time it's actually deconstruct really ask yourself the questions of okay but what have I okay I think I've not been racist but is there anything when i fully, fully, if I look at microaggressions for example is there anything that I may have done I may have said when we see when people tell us we don't see color You're part of the problem. Do you know what I mean? Is there anything that I would have said or not did with that intention that would have made maybe somebody feel uncomfortable? And remember that all of those instances won't be obvious to you because you know what? When as a black person or a person of color, you've been told many times, I don't see color. We put you in a compartment in our mind. We're just like, okay, one of them once. You know, we don't fight this all the time because that's energy. So Sometimes you would fight it, sometimes you'll be like, Oh, I can't be bothered, you know, leave them, let them believe whatever they want. Um, and so you may not realize it's not only when you got called out that actually you may have said something that was not okay. Do you see what I mean? So, check that then self-acknowledgement because after self-reflection and actually saying, Okay, yes, yeah, so then you have to highlight those moments almost on the map, you know, on the paper, whatever, and then you then say, I acknowledge that in this situation, actually, I didn't show up as the anti-racist that I wanna be. Mm. But actually, ask yourself, first of all, do you 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 wanna be an anti-racist, I guess? That's the first, first, first question. But then, self-reflection, then self-acknowledgement. Actually, I didn't come up. I didn't show up as the anti-racist that I wanna be. But why? I was not aware, or I chose, because this is part of the self-acknowledgement, I chose not to be aware, okay? Then after that comes self-forgiveness. When you have a realization of, you know, as Kerry, you said, you know, you saw that post and you're like, oh, they'll use the token. Da, da, da You have to forgive yourself because otherwise you won't move on. You'll be paralyzed. You know, nobody, even, I don't want people to be paralyzed. This is why I'm engaging with all of these, you know, people to say, I don't trust you, that's the bottom line. I don't trust that the work will be done if people like me don't actually show up in your DMs, if you don't come into my DMs, if we don't have a conversation. And I don't trust, number one. Number two, because it's not that this is something that will benefit white people. That's another thing. It will only benefit those people will see that it will benefit the society. But if people we are all selfish at the end of the day, it all depends, you know, of the level. Some people may decide, oh, OK, hold on. If I become anti-racist, that means that I've got to let go of my privilege. But well, that's not what we're asking. We're asking to share the privilege because we are human beings. We all go to the loo. Right. And we all need, you know, a bit of that privacy, a bit of that moment. So after uh, self-forgiveness, then comes commitment. So I think that at this moment in time, I hear people say, but what can I do, what can I do? First of all, ask yourself the question, do you wanna be an anti-racist? Because if you say yes to that question, you've got to show commitment to, and that's not a two weeks commitment, it's a lifelong commitment. And trust us, it's not easy, okay? It's not difficult either, but it's different. It's very different from what you used to, number one. It's basically you, with mental health, the way that you're advocating for it, it's the same energy or similar, okay? That's that. And then also you've got to think, I think that you will lose friends. Ha! You will lose white friends, you will. Because you will still have the ones who say, "Oh, lives matter, I don't understand why you're posting that, that, that. You come, you're starting to have this conversation about, to have this conversation about, oh, but why didn't you say anything? And people will be like, oh, I don't you know not to say no sit down yes you do nobody and when I reached out to all of these women saying why are you silent some of them came back that same day to be like thank you very much for reaching out Vanessa I don't really know what to say that's the problem I've had a private conversation I'm like I don't care we live in a social media world you know social media is a social currency nowadays you've got an account for those who didn't post at all for a long time I let them have it but for those who don't who post all the time about Oh, a cat died a dog died um, I saw a pigeon who was hurting whatever people are hurting so I need you to talk about it and of course some people were just like gosh you know um, I'm realizing that some of other people have not talked about it then I'm like okay then ask them the question B if you're being uncomfortable with yourself you've got to be uncomfortable with others right and then you've got to put your, you know, your money where your mouth is, meaning two ways, because it's an English expression uh, uh, that I know. So money where your mouth is, that means if you believe that we should live in an anti-racist world, that means that, uh, because now you understood that being silent is being complicit to racism. Mm.
0: That
1: means that some of your friends, some of your family may not be your people anymore. Are you ready for that? And second is this idea, put your money where your mouth is, well, collaborate you know, give back in that sense because we all need to eat. And I'm saying that for me, I've been really blessed because I work with corporations and my rates with corporations are, you know, I I get paid well, but also because I'm respected for my craft. But I know that this is not the situation for a lot of of people of color that always undersell themselves because just to have something, you know, some money, and is this fair? No, because, you know, especially when you will have actually black people or people of color really doing the work. I'm an accredited and qualified coach. I've got two master's degrees. You know, I'm not somebody didn't find me on the street and say, like, here are your three titles. Do you know what I mean? I've worked all my life for this. And I think and I see too many coaches, white women especially, coming up and be like, oh, my husband has got, you know, he's got, he's on six salary, six figure salary. I'm a bit bored. So who wants to, you know, I've got a bit of experience in HR. I'm going to coach you. No, boo go and do your accreditation and your qualification. Do you know what I mean? Cause that's not the mentality we have. Maybe we should have it, but we will not frauds and you will highlight and you will see the frauds in your surroundings. And you'll have to ask yourself, do you want frauds? And that's tough. That's a tough question to ask. So I think that for me, it's about the self-reflection. Do that very, very properly. Because otherwise, because this will dictate the next 10, 15, 30 years of your life.
2: And I think that's something that we've talked about in depth over the last week. One of the conversations we were just having yesterday is that, um, particularly obviously Kate put this blog out and almost took that step into a public domain, a social media domain, and was like, actually, I'm putting it out there. And, and trying to raise awareness of my own self-reflections. And, and I, I think where our fear was, is that we don't want it to become siloed, and that people are off doing all these different things separately. Actually, it's about that wider collaboration to go through those different stages that you've explained. Um, I, and earlier on, when you made that point about, actually, we wanna be a token, the only way we're gonna move beyond that is by paying more and more tokens time and time again. Exactly. Exactly. Until it
1: becomes so normal that then it's not a token anymore, the world won't even not you know, be noticed anymore.
2: And that's the first time I've ever thought of that. I've never thought of tokenism as leading to positive actions, so it's mm. that really kind of like, ah. Oh, don't use tokenism as an excuse that's what i'm just saying yes exactly because it's not the word for me it's a conscious decision
1: so i say so i was speaking with somebody yesterday and i said listen for me this is simple anti-racism it's like you wanted to lose weight and white women or women in general understand this very clearly so it's like you have the pot of nutella I'm making it conscious to be black, by the way. The pot of Nutella on one side, 70% or 80% bitter dark chocolate, okay? You still want the chocolate, but you're thinking, okay, I really want something chocolaty in my mouth, but what do I do? The Nutella, but actually my goal in my life is to lose five pounds, 10 pounds, 15 pounds, whatever. And or I can have my 70% chocolate. You then, based on what is it that the goal is and what you chose and committed to do, you make the decision, right? And that is, if people can do this when they want to diet, and this is what I'm saying, so somebody told me, also they're like, I want to make you proud. And I was like, get out of here. Do I know you from anywhere? Are you my mom, are you my sister? I don't need you to make me proud at all. Make yourself proud because that you know, and this is why I said the Nutella or the chocolate, it's for your own body. It's for yourself. Make yourself proud. I don't, because you know what? If anything, 90% of white people have already disappointed me in my life. 13,612 days of my life. Do you see what I mean? So I've been disappointed by many so i don't need you to make me proud now make yourself proud and then we move because we already did this and this is the thing that's also that i think a lot of people don't understand black people or people of color currently are disappointed that it only took the 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 recording of um the murder of george floyd to be seen Mm. that's a disappointment because you know what again what happens also look at it from a mental health perspective it's so traumatic, but this, this tra- some traumatic experiences we've seen. I don't have brothers, yeah, but I have got a black dad, right? I could have had brothers. I've got cousins, etc. That could have been my cousin.
2: Mm-hmm. The
1: murder of that of of, of George Floyd. I, I struggle sometimes to say his name, but we have to name, you know, or George Floyd on camera. Um, um, how do we say this in English? killed such like an animal for people to realize you know then you're like this adds another level of trauma because -hmm. then you're like wow it's only when they kill us like animals that you guys understand wow do you see what I mean and I do think and it's not about shame it's not about being um you know shaming people but I think it's a big thing that's playing on people's mind right now me, I'm focusing on the positive in the sense that I'm like, okay, I'm looking at the future and I'm here to build the generations for my future children. So I'm just like, okay, if this is what it took, then let's acknowledge this, but let's move. But a lot of people can't move on from that. They can't move on. And also a lot of people funny enough, later on I'm going to have a conversation with a girl and she told me, she said, I'm struggling. I didn't think I would, because for us, this is not new. Huh? You know, every time somebody dies in America for stupid reason." Jogging on the streets. I'm on Aubrey, you know, just sitting in your house There's a lot of things that you know in America black people can't do right mm-hmm. um, You when you're aware of all of this and this is why also you're cautious in Europe. Thank God police doesn't uh, You know travel with guns and stuff, but you just are like a bit. Ooh. and she was telling me she said Vanessa I'm struggling because I now see that actually some of my friends Are they my friends? Because they're negating my existence. Mm. And again, some people, you know, you've got to know, some people just shy away from that conversation. Mm. They really do from the race conversation, from,
0: you know, consciousness was not there before, now it is. It's so powerful to hear you speak. Um, So many moments I've had like shivers on my arm or my neck or just hearing how you you know just share these experiences with us and I think um you know you talked then about you know people understanding racism or owning up to it and we've talked in a previous podcast about a lot of it is denial a lot of it is people are you know understanding about being an anti-racist but they think but I'm not racist so I don't need to be an anti-racist when I'm not racist to begin with but to be able to admit the times when you know we are being racist because actually we talked about it in the previous podcast in terms of you know you can be racist to your own race the superiority within your own race and <laughs> and actually beginning to understand language and terminology is is really really powerful i, I i've quoted this lady's book all day long but Layla f Sard from the book me and white supremacy she talks she said white silence is violence um, and for some people and i think when you we've talked about white privilege white, white supremacy superiority white fragility these are words people don't want to yeah. hear because they feel uncomfortable and that white silence is violence could be quite provocative quite provocative but she says because it protects the system and by not standing up to that we as white people are saying we're okay with things as they are because they work for us which it's a a system of oppression um and actually we want to unravel all of this um you know and actually we've got to wake up now that a lot of our decisions and this is what's harder because Kerry's talked about microaggressions or or things that we haven't even realized but how many things have we not consciously done that we'll never even own up to or ever even remember that we've just done as part of everyday life Um, and that's okay but but now
1: understand you know as we know you have to be very much more conscious so this is why also we say read the books understand the language try to notice when things are um when you're being a bit you know when you are actually not seeing something if somebody is asking and actually always kind of um, compare it to the mental health because this is where you know you are very aware you know compared to others maybe so always look at and be like you know i, I think it's consciously again the nutella versus the, ch- the dark chocolate you have to stop and be like is it the da, da, da? and then you go with whatever you know you feel that's right for you i guess
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've talked about the Peggy McIntosh article about the uh, unpacking the invisible knapsack, that article from 1988. And what stood out for me was that I was taught to see racism only in individual acts of meanness, not in invisible systems conferring dominance on my group. That was 1988. And actually, we're just understanding and unpicking that statement still. But that's the part of it, isn't it? These are things that as white people, we need to reflect back on and read and understand you know. i think one of the things that you got to do which i think make help because of course you know this
1: conversation around race i've had it for a long time 5th of april 1968 okay 5th of april 1968. This was the day after Martin Luther King Jr. got assassinated. A woman called Jen Elliott. I really recommend that you go Google this woman. She's my white hero. I've always loved that woman. And I, this is another thing that I say. I said, you know, we don't need, I don't want white people at the moment to be um, very vocal and actually preach and, you know, no. I need you all to go away for a, little, a minute, reach out to the, the professionals, you know, because I see too many people who are just like, oh, yeah, I'm sharing resources here and there. And, you know, they come across as being white saviors. We don't need white saviors. We need the work to be done. So go away, you know, reach out to black people who want to talk. I'm happy. My DMs are open all the time. So reach out, fine. Or oh, to professionals, also DNI people, ideally of color. Okay, we're not that many, <laughs> but <laughs> reach out and also really look at some uncomfortable truth. Jane Elliott, what she did is that she, uh, and for, um, Google, she um, did an exercise between blue and brown eyes. She wanted her kids, the kids, in, she was a, an American teacher. She wanted the kids to understand race, that racism was a, uh, a societal construct. So she basically said, okay, kids with blue eyes, you are the best. You're the kings and the queens. Kings with brown eyes, or maybe you are the other very brown. Anyway, you are not nobody. You're nothing. And then you could see how the dynamic, because she really wanted to understand, is it actually given by the parents? Is it, you know, in us, in ourselves, etc., etc. So this is a very interesting, I think, uh, exercise and experiment. Then she met them again few years, like maybe 50, 10 years later, I think, or something like this. But then what she does also nowadays is that she does it with adults. So she puts them in a room and she says, you know, depending on, so either she gives you a number or I don't remember exactly how she does the exercise, but it's so fascinating. It's so fascinating. And I think that that's the things that white people, I think at this moment in time, in order to help with the reflection needs to see if I give you a book around. um, So me and white supremacy, by, by uh, Laila F. Saad, it's a fantastic book. I'm not sure, to be honest, that people will understand it though, because they would have not done their own self-reflection. Often also it's a book, it's not a, f- a documentary. I think the power of images, the, I also seen Jane Elliott, who is a white woman, really saying this, I think that just from a psychic perspective would help with step one, do you know what I mean? Then there's another thing for kids to do, is the doll test. Yes. You've seen the door So you may be aware of it. And that's not 1970. We're talking about it. So this is why, again, from us, 2020, that's 15 years later. We're just like, Oh my God. But actually this has been going on for a while. There's been little things like this. Big companies didn't get it right. Big companies still don't know sometimes about those things. So don't be too harsh also on yourself. This is what I'm also saying from a mental health perspective, be kind. Be kind because we start. you're starting. This is day six for you guys. It's yeah. like you, know, you don't even know how to walk. You just came out of the womb. Do <laughs> you see what I mean? So that's it. And this is what I'm saying. Let other people carry, or not carry the pain, but help. let other people also who kind of know what they're talking, not kind of, know what they're talking about, guide you if they choose to do so. Mm-hmm. Right, because yeah. not everybody, and this is why I need people to understand, not every black person is geared to actually have that conversation. Yeah. I'm a coach and even I get emotional, right? Yeah. Not about my own experiences, cause you know, I clap back every single time, but I get emotional when I hear the, the, you know, when Kiri is speaking, I can hear the pain, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm a human being, I'm an empath, right? So I, of course I feel the pain, but mm-hmm. for me, I'm so happy again, going back to how am I feeling? Even though I got emotional, I love to cry, by the way, I'm still very excited and happy that, you know, we have an opportunity to change the narrative.
0: Mm. Absolutely. I I mean, we could listen to you speak. (laughs) um and hear what you've got to say all day long and maybe in the future we could revisit and come back and do another podcast because I know just how powerful this has been for me sitting here talking with both of you and I hope that it will be powerful um for other people as well so so um, but when it comes to mental health if you need it like you know
1: maybe invite me to one of those things if it's about race and you want to unpack it with the group I do think that it's it's quite therapeutic to do that also with a Women of color who, you know, I'm, I've done my journey on that. Do you see know what I mean? So now I'm looking at solutions and actions, you know. I'm not navigating my own feelings regarding my race, if that makes sense.
0: And I think there is power in that to... Uh, so yeah, invite me, I don't mind. Oh, well,
2: yeah, I mean, it's just, it's been fab, Kerry, hasn't it? Yeah, I'm, yeah, mind blown by the amount of, I've got like so many pages of reflections and, and quotes. I'm oh, like, I'm going to count. <laughs> <laughs> Can you send
1: them to me? I I love uh, you know I do. It's true I speak a lot, don't I? But I'm very
2: passionate about the subject. But you know, but I think it's I think what you've done is you've because we're thinking about who's going to listen to this podcast, and and we do have a sector. You know, we work in the early years. It's a very undervalued sector in general. Um there's there's not much room for voices from our from our young um, or our educators. And I think. The fact that the that we've taken that time today to really go let's unpack this a little bit and make it accessible because something that me and kate spoke about yesterday is some of our fear and some of our nervousness is that we feel that the body of knowledge or the history we're, we're still learning ourselves and we're thinking well if we feel like that how do our practitioners that are out in on the shop floor every day working and and they're so that they are shamed and berated continuously yeah. for a disrespected workforce so i know this topic of race they will go not even opening that kind of worms because we will we will come under fire in some way and so this opens up actually you know you need to be allowed to be vulnerable here yes um, because you're so important in the impact that they're you know we to Laura in the last podcast. they are there to shape the next generation of children. so we have to give them space to be vulnerable. and we need to look at the, the representation within our sector. You know I was saying I teach on, on university modules and they're, they're diverse groups. but are they getting are they getting the right? The right support to, to have a voice so it, there's lots of reflection points i think and, and there is and i'm i'm
1: dedicated to this you know i'm committing now my time most of my time to this conversation so uh, seriously i'm very happy to support in uh, any capacity that i can because i'm I, i'm a fan of the new generation that's why i do my work you know mm-hmm. I, I you know i know that my ancestors you know were a fan of me do you see know what I mean? Yeah. And that's why they did what they did. So I'm doing this for my for the next generation. So it's uh, it's very important. And
2: I think you have to look at it from the kind perspective. You have to. And I think that when we were talking about I don't see color, I see color, it's almost not seeing that terminology on such a surface level it's that yes. I see colour because I see culture I see clothing I see attitudes I see customs traditions and interests like it's actually we see colour because we want to see beyond exactly. um, into that, that those different and diverse cultures so I almost kind of feel like I see colour is such an important thing because yes it is because you
1: acknowledge the, the, the difference, you know, but not in a bad way, it's the multiculturalism and you're like, oh, I do this, what do you do? And mm. that, you know, a lot of people said, and this is, a, I guess, my last few words, a lot of people said, oh, I don't know what to say. And mm. I said, we're not animals, we are human beings. I've seen what hap- what's happening, how are you? Mm.
0: Leave it there, leave it there, you have say again. And I was just going to say, you've talked to, you've related it all the way back through to mental health. And, and actually one of the things I advocate with mental health is that, you know, you don't have to fix the problem. You don't have to be the solution. You just have to hold that space. You just have to care. You just have to genuinely and authentically just hold that space with somebody. And I suppose it's, it's reminded, it's those messages. Just, just, showing up you don't have to have the answers you don't have to even talk you just need to hold that space but you do need to talk <laughs> now you do need to talk so it's holding I mean,
1: the it's space inspired. yeah on this subject hold the space for yep. the you know mental health of people of color who are suffering right now and also for you know white people because they are but it's also have conversations you know and think about that it's not going to be an easy road
2: mm.
0: Absolutely not. Um, In Layla's book, she talked about, I've been listening to it on Audible, but what she was talking about was that there were people that had book clubs of it. And I thought, oh, you know, that's what we're talking about here, this nice, safe space to create these environments, to have these conversations. So how can we, you know, continue that narrative? Um, And just kind of before we finish, um, we've talked about your Instagram account, but just waking up this morning and reading your... Um, you know t- getting mentally ready for another week um and you talked about some really like wonderful powerful um actions um you know that people could do um to you know to take you through this week so um for people to f- find you um it high 15 underscore, did you say?
1: Yes, high 15 underscore. So high 15 is a high five, but by three. I was born on the 3rd of March, 83. So three is a big number. Three by five, 15. So high as the high and low, and then 15 underscore. And uh, that's me on Instagram
0: great so people can find you and um your company
1: all the time i receive so many dms like it's a crazy my account went from like 200 to like maybe you know 700 800 people in a week you know so it's been actually quite like catching up with people to be like oh my god because i'm the vocal i'm one of the vocal i guess uh people of color you know at the moment
0: so it's which is good it's wonderful well thank you so much for your time it's wonderful to chat with you and hopefully we'll speak to you again Indeed. Thank you you very much. Bye-bye.